you know, those stressors, even just the day-to-day -day stress, you know, sometimes our moms really worry about that, that they're screwing their kid up because they're stressed out. But one of the greatest gifts a mom can give their baby in utero is stressing out and then downregulating. Because every time they stress out and downregulating, their baby learns how to downregulate. And so if they're high stress, it's okay, but then show them how to bring it back down. This is Pros Talk Pregnancy, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm talking with visionaries and game changers who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, lover of the mountains, seeker of knowledge, exercise physiologist, birth doula, and childbirth educator. Basically, I'm an all-around pregnancy and birth nerd. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better and empowering professionals and families alike. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. I am Lindsay and today I am joined by Kristen Hosaka, who is an amazing chiropractor, dynamic body balancer, lots of amazing things in the birth world and the prenatal and perinatal world. So I'm really excited for her to to meet all of you and um, speak about her work. So Kristen, you do a lot of things, but I would love to hear like your journey and how you kind of got to be where you are right now. Thank you uh, so much for having me on the podcast, first of all, yeah. but uh, my journey into birth work um, started honestly with my own birth experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter's 24, my oldest, and I had a hospital birth with her. And after the birth, the nurse came in and said, a lot of our staff have never seen a baby that didn't have drugs in their system. Can I show the nurses what a baby looks like that hasn't wow. had an epidural or, you know, those, those drugs in their system? And of course, I'm like, sure. And I decided then and there that that wasn't the place I wanted to birth my next baby. So I had two subsequent home births. Um, but my first and second birth, I also had a nuchal hand presentation or a compound presentation, which has kind of become the passion in my life and how to detect and prevent those before they happen, before it occurs in birth. Um, and then with my third, I was actually able to detect it during labor and correct it. So mm. I have the experience from the inside out of feeling a, a birth with a nuchal hand and without um, and they're very different. They're a whole lot easier with those hands down. Yeah. I'm really excited to dig in because like, first of all, compound presentation, like let's define what is a compound presentation for people who don't know. Can you define, cause it's not always a hand, right? It can be, right. it could be a foot. It could be an elbow. Um, I use nuchal hand when I'm talking about the hand itself or the arm, uh, being up by the head at the birth. Um, you can have a compound presentation where there's a foot by the face and any other presenting part other than the head uh, coming out at the same time as the head is considered a compound presentation. And so. when you, so when you had that, do you think now knowing what you know, do you think there's a reason that you had it twice? 
Like people think, oh, it's just random. That baby's like just biting their hand. That's just (laughs) random. You can't do anything about it. You're laughing. You're smiling. (laughs) I am. I'm laughing because there's so much you can do about it. And what I found is that the more um, torsion or more rotation is in the, the pelvis, the more likely you are to have a nuchal hand presentation. Uh, because they get stuck. Um, yes. So my my chiropractic portion of my brain says, oh, there's rotation in the pelvis, it's shifted or it's torqued. And that's causing an imbalance in the uterus because of how the, the ligaments attach between the pelvis, the sacrum and the uterus. There's about 14 different ligaments, I think I've lost count somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the pelvis twists, those ligaments pull on the uterus and it creates, uh, it's like taking the bottom of a balloon and twisting it. And then the hand gets stuck in that and can't come back down. Oh, so you're saying the hand was already there. And then because of the resistance, it's like stuck. There. Like it gets stuck. Yeah. yeah. And it may, have, you know, it may not have been there to start with, but as a lot of times as babies go head down um, and they make that big turn, sometimes their arm gets stuck at 32, mm. 33 weeks in that early stage. Uh, and there's very specific signs and symptoms of that, that oftentimes we can detect and correct, which is amazing. That's Um, so cool. Yeah. Tell me what are like, how do we, because I can imagine someone being like, how can I tell if my baby's hand is up by their face when they're inside? Cause all I'm feeling is like stuff poking out everywhere. Right. Um, Yeah. Let's hear, you know, one of the biggest signs as, um, like the pregnant person can, can feel is that we have kicks and flutters on the opposite sides of the body. So you may be getting kicks on the upper right, but you may be getting flutters on the the lower left, which would be a hand behind the head. Okay. So you get those little tickles in the wrong spot. Mm. Um, So that can be a very, very big sign when you're pregnant. Um, I tend to see it a lot when my patients come in and they've had the same pain points over and over and over again that aren't being corrected with the body work. And that, you know, they're usually when um, my practice members get up off the table after their adjustment, they feel good and they're no longer in pain. But when they get up and they keep having pain points, oftentimes that tells me that maybe something's going on on the inside and it's not the mom's body, but it's the baby's Mm. body that's causing some pain. Okay. So it would be, do you ever see like when you're talking imbalance in the pelvis, it could be like a shift laterally. It could be like an anterior posterior type thing. It could, could it be, be any direction? Just anything. Do you feel yeah. sacrum? I feel like I, maybe it's yes. from you. Like the sacrum can feel off, like tip for one side or the other. Yes. You can have rotation in the sacrum. There's a very typical pattern with the sacrum is that the very top lateral part will go anterior and inferior. Okay. So it, it twists down and forward and the other side comes up and out. Interesting. And, and that so, you think tends to go with compound. When you feel that, you tend to see babies it, doing funky things with their arms. I wouldn't say that that causes it, but oftentimes when that's present, it keeps them from being able to correct it because babies are going to try to get into the most comfy position they can. Right. Like, you know, there's this big myth in chiropractic that or that the public sees in chiropractic is that we turn breech babies and, and we don't, so we true. don't ever turn a baby. Mm. We don't ever move a baby. We just yeah. create space for baby right. to get into their optimal position. You know, they right. want to find that comfy, cozy place. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night with your hand over your head and it being numb. 
sadly too often. I love that <laughs> position. Right? But you know, when that happens, your body wakes up and you try to move, right? These babies are stuck and they can't move. Mm. And then that creates not only, you know, discomfort for them, but also creates discomfort for mom. But then you also get torsional patterns set up within the baby's body that can eventually lead to nursing issues, uh, colic, um, asymmetries of the, the cranium, um, so that they, uh, in the public view, need a helmet, in my view, need chiropractic care. Mm, and um, dynamic, pro- dynamic body balancing. Dynamic right? body balancing, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> uh, to correct that, that cranial asymmetry. Mm. Um, so it's not just about, you know, an easier birth for mom, but it's an easier birth for baby. It's an easier start to the life for baby because they come out more balanced when they're balanced in utero. I love that because you work on babies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You work on figured all this out. Yeah. Because I think that's so cool because, you know, I tend to laser focus sometimes on easier birth because that's kind of my thing. And I love your, you making sure we remember this is not just about that birthing person or that mother, it's also going to be a different experience for the baby. And I, I definitely see. So like when I, as a doula, and I noticed this before I kind of knew what it was, I definitely noticed that the babies that would come out like chewing their hands. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're on, you know, on the chest and they're just laying there, they're like still chewing their hands. And it's Mm -hmm. like, they, I think a nurse said to me once, it was like, well, it's because they're, they're got used to chewing this small thing. Now they can't, they can't latch. And I wonder if it's also something we could. Absolutely. We do that every day. You know, when we we see that tight fascia, imagine that you're stuck like in a straight jacket for nine months or maybe even a month. Yeah. You think you're going to be stiff when we take that straight jacket off. Yeah. You know, um, even just in a cast for six weeks. Right. And what happens? There's muscle wasting and there's less flexibility and the body has to readapt once that cast comes off. And when babies are stuck in utero, it's like we've shrink wrapped them in this little space. And if they don't have room to move, then they're not moving their body parts and they're not, you know, exercising their arms and legs in a normal physiological way they're going to have tension patterns when they come out. Yeah. My fourth definitely had some, something he didn't have a compound presentation, but he had so much colic. They say like, Oh, fourth baby's going to be easy. Like you're a, you're a pro. Mm -hmm. And then I had this baby that cried for three weeks and I'm like, man, if I had had some body work for him, I do so wonder. And, and him, it was not, you know, sometimes we worry about those babies, with the slower birth, but this was actually like my, like a very quick birth. Like he went through all the levels very quickly. Yeah. And I think that can create some issues too. Would you say like a baby coming too fast? I worry about them if they're too fast and I worry about them if they're too slow, (laughs) because you know, when they barrel through, um, they don't have time to go through, uh, the motions, you know, the baby does a dance too. The baby has to rotate through the pelvis in a certain way. And it kicks off these primitive reflexes, which are the um, the instinctual stuff that babies do, uh, like grasping. When they touch the palm of the hand, they're going to 
grasp the hand, uh, rooting, sucking, all of these things are primitive reflexes. There's others that help them come through the birth canal. And if you want a, a video of that, Carol Phillips has witnessing the miracle of birth on YouTube. And it's a great video. And in the middle of that video, it talks about how baby goes through each of these primitive reflexes um, in the birth canal. Mm. And if they just barrel through, they don't have time for these reflexes to start integrating. And then later on, that can actually cause problems in development because they don't integrate these. And those become these little roadblocks where the brain is so stuck on trying to integrate the reflexes that it's harder for it to learn new things. And so it can depress that natural system of of body mechanics and learning and all kinds of things. So primitive reflexes are a whole new topic and I'll try not to get too far into that. (laughs) But basically if they don't do it in, in utero, sometimes you have to go back and, and reintegrate those later on. Um, That's really cool. And we'll definitely link to that video in the show notes, because I think it's really helpful for people to see a visual of all of that. Absolutely. And it's a great video. And I just love Dr. Carol. So I have to. <laughs> she is. She's there. good. She's how we met. So we met at a Dr. Yes. Carol Phillips. Um, I think you were assisting her in yeah. a, some sort of some dynamic. Level three. Yeah. Level three. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Let's, yeah, let's keep going with the compound presentation. So you talked no. about some signs. Now I want to get to like, what should I do about it during pregnancy? And then we'll get to maybe birth. Like if somebody, I mean, you kind of already said a little bit of it in the fact that you said our job is not to move the baby. I assume right. this, our job is to create space for the baby to move. So how, what right. are some ways that you like to do to, to offer that? space. Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, I'm a chiropractor, so I'm going to adjust, I'm going to help, um, realign the bony structure, help realign the spine so that the nervous system can work best. Uh, because anytime that there's pressure on the nerves, there's interference in the nervous system and it's not working as well. So it's hard for the brain to balance the muscles correctly to keep the, the bones in line when it can't get those signals through. So that's our primary job as a chiropractor is to remove the nerve interference. uh, So the body can balance itself. We do that through um, adjustments. Um, I also utilize dynamic body balancing. It's a form of fascial release. Uh, And if you don't know about fascia, fascia is the connective tissue that attaches everything in your body. Um, So we're in this web of fascia. When fascia is tight, I think of it like shrink wrap. And if you've ever gone to the store and bought a rack of ribs, it comes in that shrink wrap plastic. And then as soon as you open it up, before you open it, it's really hard. You can hold it in one hand, it sticks straight out. It's not gonna bend or move. When you start to put just a little bit of air in that shrink wrap, all of a sudden it's falling and it's opened up and it can move again. And so when we start to work with the fascia and start to release it, we take those really stuck parts and allow it to release enough that there's more movement. Um, and fluidity within the body. And some of these fascial restrictions can start in utero, like we discussed, when the arm is up over the head and it can't move, that fascia gets restricted. So in the pregnant mom, we're going to work on the the fascia of the pelvis, the diaphragm, sometimes even the cranium, because it is all connected. It's all one unit. There is no, not fascia in the leg and fascia in the arm. It's all one piece. It's all connected. And sometimes working on the head can fix the feet. And sometimes it's the other way around. So we're going to work the fascia. We're going to balance the the bony structure. I work a lot on the uterus as well to help balance the fascia of the uterus um, so that it's no longer twisted. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we do that, babies have room to bring the hand down. Amazing. Yeah, it is. (laughs) 
Now, if they're really stuck, sometimes you may need to use gravity to allow them to back out of the pelvis a little bit. Um, and that would be something like your forward leaning inversions that they teach in spinning babies or um, an open knee chest position. Also in spinning babies, you can get those directions online very easily. Um, but sometimes the baby needs a little help because they're really stuck and they're stuck in the pelvis and gravity is pushing them down. So you got to give them a little wiggle room, getting them upside down and able to back out a little bit. Mm, yeah, that, that makes works. sense. So if baby's yeah. too lodged down there and you're seeing this asymmetrical pattern yeah. in the pelvis and you're, so, so during birth then same thing. So if baby's same deep thing. in the pelvis and we're worried, you would also back them out. Back them out. Yeah. Back them out. Reset, yeah. like yeah. the reset position. Right. Right. And, you know, as a chiropractor, that's kind of out of my scope. So, you know, we'd be working with the midwives or OB I or whoever. Sure. Yeah, so you know. do you, do, do you ever go adjust at birth ever though, or not as much? I have, um, I don't go as often as I used to, but I've been, I've attended over 250 births, countless labors. I, I lost track a long time ago. Um, I, I always like for people to just hear that, that, that chiropractors do come to births. So I mean, not yeah. necessarily with you the entire time, but I have right. a really cool, my best memory of a chiropractor at a birth. I was at a VBAC. And she was in strong, active labor. Like it was hard. And I met her at the hospital. I actually had an apprentice doula like shadowing me, which was, uh, you know, this family had consented to and wanted. And so, so I had even called like that one, which I was going to wait, but I was like, oh, things are rocking and rolling. Let's go. They check her. She's one centimeter and her baby is high. And I was like, oh no, not that, you, you know, not that dilation matters, but right. It just, I was like, oh, we're going to, it's going to be, a, and, and then, so then after that, I was like, okay, let's just feel things. And so I felt her sacrum and it was like this yeah. funny enough. Now I don't know. Cause this was like over a decade ago. I don't know for sure if there was a compound presentation. Now that I'm talking to you, my brain just was like, oh wait, that's why I brought this story up because it probably was, but you know, right. what happened was I did all the things that I knew how to do at the time. And I have much more skills in my, or like tools in my tool bag now. And maybe this was one of the births that made me realize that I called a, a chiropractor. It was actually thankfully her chiropractor, but someone I knew and had the phone number of, I, I texted it. And I was like, Hey, can you meet me at St. John's hospital for your client? They did. She got adjusted. I think they used an activator. I don't know exactly. She got adjusted. And the chiropractor then just like sat on the hospital, like on the couch mm -hmm. and just waited for a little bit to just kind of see before yeah. the chiropractor had even left. So this is less than an hour. Water broke and we're pushing. Wow. So I'm like, awesome. I just want to throw that out there. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty cool. So I wonder if that space allowed that baby which maybe knew I can't get, make it through this pelvis. However I was, yeah. So let's balance the pelvis, which is then going to balance the uterus, which is going to then open up the space. So cool. Absolutely. Well, and you know, if you're wondering what was going on in the birth and you're not sure you're, you're wondering about baby's position, oftentimes babies sleep in their position of ease that they were in in utero. Ooh, that's fine. And so that's actually how I came up with all of this information because, you know, I'm seeing the moms during their pregnancy and then I'm seeing the babies after and I'm putting together the symptoms that the mom was having during her pregnancy with how the baby's sleeping and what they look like posture wise when they come out yeah. and I reverse engineered it. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And And you're right, because breach is where I see it the most. You see breach babies, when they come out, they just want to hang out with their feet by their... Absolutely. (laughs) They're like sticking their butt out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so cool. So you're seeing them sleeping like however they were with their hands over their head or, you know, they've got their hand across their shoulder. Yeah. Um, My youngest, she was the, you know, her right arm. I think it was her right. I can't remember. I have to look at pictures, but uh, (laughs) one arm, the opposite hand was on the opposite shoulder. So it was cross body all the way across during labor. I've been kind of, you know, pedaling with labor all day and it should have been you know, ramping up a little bit and it wasn't. And I got checked and I was three centimeters and no, I was two centimeters. I'm sorry. And I'm like, this really needs to get moving because it's getting late. I want to go to bed sometime tonight. I don't want to labor all night long, all the things. And my midwife palpated and she couldn't tell what position she was in. She could feel her back on the left and like, okay, cool. That's great. But she couldn't really tell what was going on right above my pubic bone. And I was having pain points on either side, like the contractions hurt like on the pubic the, bone, like on either side of the pubic bone, okay. from side to side, right? And so I'm like, okay, I don't know what she's doing. Something's funky. Let's do some spinning babies. And so I did my sideline releases, and then I I went into a forward leaning inversion, but I felt like she really needed to back up. And this was ten years ago, so this was really before people were backing babies up yeah. on purpose. But you were intuitively listening to what your body needs. It sounds. Yeah. Like. Absolutely. And so I held it through three different contractions. I got get up in between because let me tell you, that is the hardest thing I've ever done physically in my life is hold myself upside down during a contraction. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Super intense. (laughs) On the third contraction, I literally heard the sound of a cork coming out of a bottle in my head as I felt her hit my diaphragm. So it's like her, like her head was a cork in my pelvis. I heard the sound, weirdest thing ever. And then when I got up, I felt her like drop into my pelvis hard. Like she cool. slammed into my pelvis, yeah. right? I'm like, okay, something's different. Couldn't stand up through the next contraction, got really intense. And I went from two to 10 in three hours and had a baby, which is my shortest labor. Mm. Um, but when she came out, she slept with her hand across her shoulder. And I was like, that's what you were doing. That's so, so cool. I mean, it's, I it's, that's really cool that you experienced it. And I like that you did it three times because a mm-hmm. lot of people have like figured out with the inversion that if we, it's, it's not just the down, it's the up the that up, resets yeah. those ligaments. Right. And then if you do it a few times, it's like, I don't know what it is about the repetition versus just right. holding it forever. Well, and when you get up, you get the swoosh of the water that helps bring yeah. the, the baby up. You get the buoyancy. Um, and you get the release. I feel like you can't just hold it. Then you like reset it. Because sometimes right. I feel like people like what they used to. I used to see people like go into an inversion and then crawl out of it. But I was like, mm-hmm. no, you don't want to crawl out of it. You want to come out of it because otherwise right. you're not like setting the, I don't know. I don't know how to say it in a. Setting you know. the ligaments, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you like yeah, cork but- them. Well, and then when you crawl forward too, you put a twist in your pelvis as you're coming off the exactly. couch. Yes. And so it torques and, exactly. and you reset the, the uterus in, in a torque position. But yeah, when, after you've been upside down, you know, as Carol Phillips talks about it, when you go upside down, any kind of twist in the uterus is going to untwist and then you bring it back up and reset. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, but she also talks about the swoosh of the water being able 
to, you know, move the baby's head out of the pelvis or move the bottom out of the pelvis if it needs to, to help the breech baby turn. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So for a breech baby, you hold it down for longer, right? Then for, well, no, you don't want to hold it longer. There's just other protocols. Right, right. right. General recommendation for breech is 30 seconds or three deep breaths um, and then come back up. And part of that is because usually by that third breath, you're getting a little lightheaded, um, the blood's rushing and you need to get back up. Um, But it's really not designed to necessarily pull the baby out of the pelvis. It's yes, it can work that way, but it's really designed to reset the ligaments and balance the uterus. That's what I've always thought as well. It's more about that, which then the byproduct would be baby being able to get down better, but yeah. This episode is brought to you by the Body Ready Method, our game-changing, interactive, fully online course for perinatal and birth professionals who want to elevate the way they serve their clients. We teach you how to help your clients prepare their bodies for a more functional pregnancy and efficient birth and teach you what to do when, during birth, through the lens of birth biomechanics. Gain confidence and new skills to support your clients. Sign up for the waitlist for our next cohort at bodyreadymethod.com. I think sometimes when we call it reset, people think, well, what does that mean? Baby will... I mean, there is a gravity component of baby coming out, but it's more about us creating that balanced space for baby to, to do what they know how to do. And they do know how to do it. And they they do head down and they want to be comfortable and they want to get the hands down because it's not comfortable for them. Right. And babies are wise. I think, you know what my pet peeve, I bet you wouldn't, wouldn't love it either is when people are like, Oh, bad baby. Like if their heart rate goes weird Mm -hmm. or if, like they're in a weird position. They're like, oh, your baby's being so bad right now or no. good baby. I'm like, no, always good. Like, yeah. when a baby, I don't know. I just feel like, like, and also let's just throw out there. If, if somebody's in balance, it doesn't mean that they're screwed up because we yeah. all are living in gravity. Right. And we yeah. all experience sudden stops in gravity. We all experience things. We came out of our mother's pelvis, which may have right. been too. So yeah, that's true. Blame your mom. It's not your fault. No. Yeah. Blame your mom. It's her pelvis, not yours. Yes. <laughs> no, but it, but it's because I think sometimes I love this conversation and I think sometimes people hear this and they, then they think, oh, it's not my baby's fault. It's my fault. And I, cause oh. we're like seeking blame for tricky yeah. situations when it's like, we're all a work in progress. Like literally every single yes. one of us. Well, and you're going to have injury. You're going to have torsional injuries if you learn how to walk, right? Every mom, oh, my toddler fell down six times today. You know, can you check her pelvis? Or, you know, and then we have the added load of, you know, environmental toxins and poor foods and cell phones. And I mean, COVID, man, that screwed everybody up the last few years. Yeah, we're we're living through a lot. (laughs) We are. And, you know, those stressors, even just the day-to-day stress, you know, sometimes our moms really worry about that, that they're screwing their kid up because they're stressed out. But one of the greatest gifts a mom can give their baby in utero is stressing out and then down-regulating. Because every time they stress out and down-regulating, their baby learns how to down-regulate. And so if they're high stress, it's okay, but then show them how to bring it back down. Yeah. It's like, like your, your nervous system is there for a reason. It needs to react to a threat. 
And right. then you need to know how to like chill out when the threat's gone. Absolutely. <laughs> can't and be chill in the, in, when there's a tiger chasing us. Like that's not going to save us. Right. And, and we should have a, a stress mode and a, yeah. a relaxation mode. That's how we're designed and we're beautifully designed. But, you know, those stressed out moms, it's like, okay, let's teach the baby how to don regulate. You know, yeah. so let's get That's you great. learning how to down regulate so you can give that gift to your baby. And, yeah. you know, even if mom is blaming herself because baby's in a bad position and she's torqued and she's, you know, had injury or, or whatever, let's teach baby how to get out of that. You know, let's use that opportunity to help them make new strategies in their nervous system so that they can regulate their body better as they grow. You know, it's an opportunity. Don't feel guilty about it. I know. I think, I think it's just hard. It's like hard to live in that in-between place because there's like on one side of you hear people that say birth always works. Just trust birth. It's always going to work. It's always going to be great. Like leave them alone and it's always going to be fine. Like you see that side of the coin and then you see the other side that is almost like, like do, do, do. Like even people will take like the stuff I teach with biomechanics and be like always instructing the birther like the whole time, like, okay, now do this, now do this. And like, that's like, and then they're obsessing over like all these positions and they're like, you can never tuck your pelvis for the next nine months. And I'm like, my pelvis is tucked right now, by the way. And I'm okay. Right. Like there's like this healthy place in the middle where we're like, let's be proactive, but then let's like also trust birth. You know, there's, there's that balance. And and I think it's a reflection of the nervous system as well, because there's the strict and tight and rigid. Um, that's not adaptable, right? The beauty of a healthy nervous system is the adaptability of the nervous system. So true. And so, you know, any, whatever stressor it is, whether it's a bad position or illness or whatever, a healthier nervous system is going to be able to adapt to those changes. Mm. And I think that's where the real balance comes in is in the adaptability. Yes. I love that. That's a, that's a good mic drop moment. You've had, you have several so far, but it's so true. Like if we can, yeah, the more, the more and more I work on the body and the mind and birth, the more I'm like drawn to the nervous system. Cause it's like, I mean, you can release the, someone's pelvic floor, for example, or you can teach them how to have released their pelvic floor acutely. But if they're in fight or flight and their pelvic floor needs to be tight, like I can try to just like stretch, do like a stretch all you want. It's not going to respond because our nervous system drives it all. Right. Well, and that, you know, the pelvic floor, it's not about the tension. It's not about how loose it is. It's about the ability to go from tight to loose and loose to tight when it's needed. Yeah. It's like, I, what I say, it's about full range of motion. So I love bringing that into the, into the nervous system. Yeah. Getting your full range of your nervous system. Like, Yeah. yeah, I think people have taken this, like, uh, nervous system. It's kind of trendy right now. Have you noticed to talk mm-hmm. about like, nervous system and downregulating it, which is cool. But then people think they need to be like chill all the time. I'm like, no, no you don't need to. <laughs> no. When you have a deadline, you need to be stressed. When there's a car coming the wrong way on the interstate, you need to be stressed because you need to be able to react. Right. And you need that adrenaline. And, you know, you need to be able to run from the tiger, but there's not a tiger sitting with us in the room all the time. Right. Sometimes our nervous system thinks there is. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that a lot, you know, but you know, the beauty really is. And like you said, it's in the adaptability of being able to bring it back down when it's needed to come down. It's not living in the high stress. It's living in the ups and downs. 
And, and I think cool, that goes yeah. for life in general, you know, yeah. if you've got kids, you've got ups and downs. It's learning how to ride those waves, come up and down with it and be adaptable. Yeah. And if you've and got more than one kid, you know, you have to be adaptable because they're all different. <laughs> they are so different. It's kind of, it's like this, it's so fun to see them as they grow, change and be their own people. So definitely the nervous system with even com- like bringing it back to compound presentations, like yeah. we can release someone and create balance all we want, but first let's like, I call it the flow state, but first let's address their nervous system response. Mm-hmm. Then let's create balance in their tissues um, what do you see when you're working with people and you start suspecting something like this coming up? What do you tend to see like the most common patterns? Cause you know, I, like we all kind of live in gravity. We all live in this modern life. Right. We all sit a lot. We all stress a lot. So are there like knowing that we're all unique, are there patterns that you just see just like constantly, I'm constantly needing to do this. I would say that almost every pregnant woman that comes in is going to need their sacrum adjusted. Uh, their SI joints tend to be tight or out of alignment in almost every one of them, which is why the Webster technique is so beautiful because that analyzes that. So um, when you say out of alignment, do you mean like, I just want to, I'm just like being a nerd. Like, do you yeah. see one stiffer? Do you see one more forward, one more back? Do you see it like, like, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just like, I feel like it's really interesting to see Oh yeah. She's going to show. So we'll have a video too. <laughs> I got to show you what's problems because it's hard for me to say, um, you know, you've got your SI joints between um, the ilia of the pelvis and the joints of the sacrum. And um, those are a gliding joint and they're sort of a boot shape for those that don't know. I think know, it has like a kidney bean too. Kidney bean. There's lots of different descriptions yeah. of it, but they glide. And as they glide, the further along a woman gets in pregnancy, the more those joints, the, the sacrum should shift backwards as the pelvis is starting to grow, uh, you know, they say your hips are never the same after a pregnancy. It's because those joints have opened up and they've slid back. We can correct that postpartum, but as they start to shift back, oftentimes they'll get stuck on one side or the other, and they don't have normal range of motion. Typically with the sacrum, it will tip forward and down on one side and up and out on the opposite side. And that's normal biomechanics as somebody walks, that's how yeah. the sacrum moves. And so it'll get stuck on one side or the other. If you want to see a great video of that, sorola.net. Oh, I, I think, I it's think I've net. seen that one. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Send um, me the exact one you're referencing and I will get it. in. Yeah. There. They have several different videos. There's normal biomechanics. It's a great little company. They make trochanter belts to help stabilize the pelvis. It's like giving your pelvis this little hug when the, the SI joints are, are angry. So it's very helpful. Love it. But they have great biomechanic videos. So oftentimes it'll get stuck on one side or both as the sacrum is shifting backwards. And that's one thing that I also am pretty passionate about is how the sacrum moves during labor. There is a fascial, a deep fascial connection between the uterus and the sacrum. And as the fundus is contracting, it pulls the, sac- the uterus upwards. And then that pulls on the uterosacral ligaments and all the fascia that connects in the posterior uh, portion of the uterus to the sacrum. And so as the, the uterus is contracting, it will oftentimes pull the sacrum up with it. And you can actually feel that in a laboring woman, typically after baby's head is engaged in the pelvis, um, can't feel it as much before that, but that can give you clues as to whether there's a nuchal hand or if there's an asynclitic position where the head is tilted to one side, things like that. 
you can actually feel by how the sacrum is moving during labor. So that's in my class too. So it's pretty cool to, to dive into that. A yeah, that deeper. is super. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I love learning little tidbits from, from you and from all these rad people that have all these just like very unique and specific things that we often don't think of. We just think of the uterus, you know, the fundus getting built, but we don't think of that like that vector pull. of force, kind of that pull. Yeah. That's really cool. So if, if the, you know, the uterus, like you said, the uterus is attached to the pelvis, right? Yeah. And so now I think like when we, people are so obsessed with baby's position and we're like, but baby's position is based on the pelvis position. <laughs> and so like, if we go in and we're just like, let's, ECVs, you know, turning a breech baby, like it has its place. Like these things have their place, but oh man, if we can like take it back to the root, you know, I often, I I liken it to picking dandelions versus like getting to to the root of the dandelion. I feel like too often we're just like, oh, here's your symptom. Here's a fix. Here's your symptom. Here's a fix. Well, let's address why that symptom is there. Cause then it goes away. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, and you mentioned ECVs and breech and you know, I think that some women are going to be more inclined to have a breech baby because they have an extra muscle there that so as minor muscle can get in the way and create a barrier for Mm. babies to turn. So again, I'm like giving you like teasers for all the stuff that I talk about in my classes, but it's huge. And, you know, when I went to chiropractic school, they were like, okay, there's another muscle. There's so it's major. There's so it's minor. You're never going to have to worry about minor because the major just, you know, it, it does all the work. So if you do have a psoas minor muscle, which only about 20% of the population has, then it can actually, because of where it attaches, create almost like a bungee cord of tissue that the baby has to move around to go head down. And so it creates a barrier for them to, to rotate and spin. It attaches between T12 uh, and L1 in the back and then in the inguinal canal in the front, whereas the psoas major attaches into the hip and can shift out of the way. Um, so it creates a boundary. So do, is this something that people would know or would have like any indication that they have or don't have? No, it's just kind of like there's signs and symptoms. And as you know, if you do body work, oftentimes you can feel it once they get further along in their pregnancy, it's really hard to feel like I can't feel it on somebody that's not pregnant. Um, because when they are pregnant, it pushes it and and creates a tight band of tension. Oh yeah. Otherwise I, I would imagine it would be too deep to palpate. Like I'm not palpating yeah. so as major. Right. I mean, some people do. I'm not a body worker, but I know that's a controversial thing as well as like touching the psoas in general, but yeah, you have a lot, lots of things to think about. I think people are going to be like, wow, I didn't know that there's muscles that some people can have and other people don't have, you know, another yeah. thing, I don't know what, how, how you feel about it. There's also, um, especially like Rachel Shapiro talks about this a lot of, there's even like research now that the ligaments can be in different places on different people, Absolutely. right? Like there's the uterosacral <clears throat> ligament. Yeah. Doesn't actually attach to the sacrum in most people. So yeah, the uterosacral ligament oftentimes isn't even attached to the sacrum and, and it attaches into the fascia that attaches to the sacrum, but there's different places. The round ligaments and some people, it goes all the way down into the labia and other people it doesn't. So yeah, our bodies are all different and you know, everybody is slightly, their model is slightly different. Um, but with the psoas minor, the cool thing too about it is a vestigial muscle in about 20% of the population. Some people it's on both sides. Some people it's on one side or the other. So you can have a right psoas minor that doesn't cause any problems and helps baby get into that left line position and all the things. 
you can have it on both sides and it really messes things up, makes them stay breech oftentimes, hmm. or you can just have it on the left side, which okay. is going to make it more common for them to have a right-sided baby, an L-O-T baby um, versus an L-O-T because they can't get to that left side. So, you know, there are differences in biomechanics that are going to prevent women from getting that baby into, quote, the ideal position for birth. So it may be that a right-sided baby for one person might be the optimal position for birth, whereas the left side might be for somebody else. Yeah, I think that's important to note because people get really obsessed with, you know, I get so many DMs of people saying, someone told me LOA is the best position for my baby to be in and I'm 30 weeks and my baby's on the right side and I think I'm not going to be able to have them. I'm like, honey, like you have 10 more weeks. Like, I just want to like give this person a hug and just be like, it's okay. Like it's fine. Cause if people think this is ideal and then they don't realize we're all unique humans. And like, if you just create the balance and thinking the stress that that brings, like us as provider signals, we have a responsibility to not freak them out, like not freak our clients out about their baby's position. Like there's a, there's a nuance to how we share this information. I feel like. Absolutely. And, you know, do L-O-T, L-O-A babies tend to come out a little bit faster? Yes, they do. However, depending on your body, they may not be able to get there. And and what I've seen is that even if babies in, quote, a bad position starting labor, the more balanced the mother's body is, the easier it is for them to rotate through the pelvises they need to and the better the labor is going to be. So ultimately it comes back to balance and correct tone, because if they're too tight, it's hard for baby to come through the pelvis. If they're too loose, there's not enough holding the baby in place. That can also be detrimental. So it's, it, it comes back to adaptability, back to tone, back to balance. And that kind of sums it all up, to be honest. Um, Yeah. That's like, what else do we have left to say? It's like the Goldilocks right in the middle, not too hot, not too cold, right in the middle. Right. And, you know, I was actually just working on a a post uh, for Instagram uh, for athletes, because like we say, like you can have too much tone or not enough tone. And there is this happy place in the middle where like some people maybe need to work more on mobility and release work. And other people maybe need to work on more strength and more like support work. And then we kind of meet ourselves in the middle in that Goldilocks place. Absolutely. So cool. So Kristen, I want to know, because now you've piqued my interest about your course. So now I want to tell you to tell all of us where we can find your work. All right. So if you're a chiropractor, um, I do have an online module with the ICPA, which is the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association. That should be dropping in the next couple of weeks. We just filmed it in Spartanburg last month. So it's being edited right now. It should be up to get continuing education credits, that kind of thing. Right now, I do have a Nickel Hands video on my website at welladjustedbirth.com. And that one's great. You can also get my Nickel Hands discussion on spinning babies and their anatomy of birth. I don't remember. I'm on the... I think um, think it's called the anatomy of birth. I think so. But there's several other speakers in my my one-hour talk was added onto that. And then I'm getting ready to start filming probably a three or four-hour class specifically for midwives and doulas and get credit through MEAC, the meat credit for them. Hopefully I'll get that out this spring, but that when I drop it, it'll be on well-adjusted birth as well. Nice. We'll make sure we get all that stuff added to the show notes. So everyone go check out all of this amazing stuff. And it sounds like more is in the works. And, and, you know, depending on when this podcast comes out, your soon to be released Cairo one may be available. So everyone go check 
out all of that. So Kristen, final words of wisdom to birth and perinatal pros. Like, I know I'm putting you on your spot, but like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like I was thinking, like, I always like to think at the end, like when I was a new Cairo, what do I wish I knew? Like speak to the new, new body worker, birth worker, you, and like, what does she wow. need? To- <laughs> oh goodness. That is, that's a tough one. You know, there's just, there's so much, but I think ultimately, I think I started out my journey with, I want to make birth better for moms because I experienced some pretty, pretty rough births. My first two were pretty rough. And I think that's changed over the years too. I want to make birth better for baby. Mm. Um, and I don't think we really realize the lifetime effects that can occur within the baby when they have a traumatic birth. And it may not even be traumatic. I mean, it may seem pretty easy and everything's okay. But what I see with nuchal hands is oftentimes they will jam the cranial plates. And when the cranial plates are jammed, that can actually put direct pressure on the vagus nerve, which goes back to that regulation of, you know, sympathetic versus parasympathetic. It regulates the nervous system. And when babies are in poor position, they're more likely to have cranial pressure and dysregulation when they come out. And ultimately, if we can balance mom, balance the pregnancy and have a balanced baby when they come out, it sets them up for a better lifetime experience. We can Absolutely. bring it all back. Like we can change the world if we can change birth. Changing right? Birth. So yeah. cool. Well, thank you for being here, Kristen. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Pros Talk Pregnancy. We are passionate about making the childbearing years better. And as professionals, when we work together, that is when we see the greatest shifts. Is there a topic that you would like for us to dig into with an amazing birth pro that you know? Or do you have a question around pregnancy, birth, or recovery that no one has quite yet been able to answer? We want to bring you the topics that you want to know about. So please submit a question, topic, or guest suggestion for the chance for it to become our next podcast episode at www.bodyreadymethod.com slash podcast dash submit. See you next time.